Welcome to the Revo Podcast. Revo Church is one church in two locations with a vision to spark a revolution of life change through Jesus. We hope to accomplish this through our core values of love big, serve hard, live bold, grow deep, and move forward. For more information about our service times and locations, please visit our website at discoverrevo.com. What's up, friends in the room? Thanks for joining us today. Thanks for being here, hanging out at the South Fork campus with us. Everybody watching online, thanks for paying your internet bill so that you could be here with us. We miss you. Come visit us sometime in person. Uh, I don't remember when this exactly happened, uh, but I remember in elementary school, I woke up one morning and uh, had a fever. My mom was worried about it. She said, you're not going to school today. You can't go to school sick and a fever. I didn't necessarily feel bad, um, but, but she just said, you can't, you can't go to school and so uh, what I want you to do, Nathan, is like strict instructions, okay? I'm going to leave you home by yourself. <laughs> and uh, just be careful because uh, my mom had to go to work. And, and so she said, here's the deal. Don't go outside. Anybody knocks on the door, don't answer. That's a good way to get kidnapped. So ignore it. Don't cook anything. Don't turn the stove on. Don't turn the oven on. Just sit on the couch and watch TV. That's all you got to do all day. Don't eat because I don't want you to get sick or anything to happen. Just drink Sprite or Gatorade or something like that. And I will be home at lunch. Uh, My mom was the director of a preschool. And so she's like, I'm just going to go up there, make sure all the bases are covered, make sure everything's good. And then I'll be home at lunch to check on you. I will call you and and make sure everything's okay. And so obeying orders, yes, ma'am, I'm going to lay on the couch. And and that day, uh, I encountered something that I'd never encountered before. I'd never stayed home before, but when I turned on the television, I saw something for the very first time, something called daytime television. I didn't even know a magical world like that existed. And I'm running across things like soap operas, and I'm in the middle of a story, and I'm like, this is crazy. What is going on here? And uh, it just didn't feel right. So I turned the channel to another one, and I, I saw in the, standing in the middle of the screen a very slender man with snow-white hair slicked back. He had a tan, just sun-kissed skin that could only be achieved by years in a tanning bed. He held a small microphone that looked like it was connected to a coat hanger and a big windsock on the end of it. And his powerful voice looked into the camera and said, I'm Bob Barker, and this is The Price is Right. Everybody's going wild, it's crazy, and this is the first time I've ever seen this show before, life-changing moment for me. These people were coming up on stage, and they were playing games, and as with the story, like if you knew the price, if the price was right, then you win. And he would get on stage, and he would put like a box of macaroni and cheese on the table, he says, now listen to me, the price of this macaroni and cheese is either $1.89 or $1.98. You got to choose the right price, and if you do it and the price is right, then you win, and, and people would try to guess. And I learned a lot about buying groceries from that show, and, and it was fun, and showcase, showdown, Plinko. You ever seen Plinko? Man, I look forward to playing Plinko. Like, it's like, it's that little dice thing, little coin is falling, and right when you think it's going to fall in, the, this cat's getting ready to win a million dollars. Like, it kind of dribbles down, and you get zero, and like, you owe the show money or something. And so, heartbreak. Ah, oh, so much suspense. And, but here was one of my favorite parts of it. Occasionally, they would play a game, and uh, if the person would win, then they would have prizes behind two curtains. And old Bob Barker used to look with that leathery skin, and he would look and slick back snow white hair, and he'd say, do you want what's behind curtain number one or curtain number two? 
And the person would pick curtain number one, and I remember one, one guy in particular was a guy, and curtain number one opened up, and it's like this new furniture overhaul. It's, he's got leather couches and leather recliners and big screen TV, and this guy just won a pool table, and he's going crazy. And, and right at the end, they say, and this is, has a retail value of $5,284. And everybody's going crazy, and he's going crazy, and Bob's like, congratulations, man, on winning that. And then occasionally, this is what Bob would do. He would look at the person, the crowd would die down, and he'd say, do you want to know what's behind curtain number two? And I always wanted to know what was behind curtain number two. And I learned that Bob did this on purpose. Uh, Bob, Mr. Barker, whatever, uh, Mr. Bob Barker would say that because he knew that the gift behind curtain number two was always better than the gift that they had chosen. And so, of course, the person would say yes, and, and he would be in his hand. He's got this gift that's worth $5,284.48. And Bob says, show us what's behind curtain number two. And they would pull back the curtain and say, it's a brand new truck, shiny truck, nice wheels on it. And you can tell this guy is disappointed. <laughs> and then they say, and, and, and it's valued at $27,882. And they flip back to the guy who just a few seconds ago was really excited about that pool table. But when he saw what was behind curtain number two, he didn't like it. But it didn't stop there because he said, and you're going to need that truck to haul your brand new ski boat. And another curtain and it's a ski boat. He's like, oh my goodness, it's a ski boat. And then the guy's really sad and he's really frustrated. And, and what seemed to be really great uh, now has turned out and Bob's like, thanks for playing, man. He's like, what a jerk. You know, just thanks for playing. Hope you love your pool table, and we'll put the car back in the shed for the next game or, or, or whatever. Now, I don't know exactly what it's going to be like when I die and when I face God for the very first time. I know that that's what you and I have in store. One day we will die, and we will stand in front of God, and we will give an account for, for what we've done, the decisions that we've made, the things that we did. I understand that. I, and I don't have a scriptural backing for this, but I wonder... If I'm going to stand in front of God one day and, and my life is going to play out in front of me and all the decisions, all of the things I did, maybe there'll be some good things in there. There'll definitely be some bad things, some mistakes and, and some things about my life. But I wonder when we get to the end, I wonder if God's going to look at me and say, now, Nathan, would you like to see what's behind curtain number two? And behind curtain number two is what your life could have been like if it was marked by obedience and faith. Do you want to see what it would have looked like if every time I gave you an opportunity, if you would have seized it? Do you want to see what it was like if every time I put someone in your path to be bold and share the gospel with, do you want to see what your life would have been like? Do you want to see what, what actually could have been? What your life could have been if you stepped out in faith instead of stepping back in fear? Do you want to see what's behind curtain number two? What could have been if, if you did relationships my way? What your marriage could have been like? Do you want to see what your job could have been like? Do you want to see what your finances would have been like if you'd have just said yes to me? Do you want to see what, what actually could have been, what could have changed for the people around you? Do you want to see what could have been if you'd have just walked in the purpose and the calling that I had for your life? And maybe we need to start there. Maybe we just need to stop right there and just say, hey, do you guys understand that God has a purpose and a calling for your life? 
Do you understand? You, you can call it purpose or plan or calling or, or destiny, but do you understand that, that God has that? Not only does he have that, he had it laid out long before you got here. He had all of the details lined out. Here's what King David said in Psalm 139. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. Every single day of your life was laid out by God even before you were born. Man, God doesn't just care about the 30,000 foot view. Like we're not a, a college student thinking, oh man, I gotta pick my major. What am I gonna do? This is gonna impact the rest of my life. Did you know that God gives us an opportunity every day, just today? He already had today planned out. Knew where you were gonna be knew the people you were going to encounter, knew the decisions that you were going to be faced with, and he has a plan and a purpose and a calling for your life today, right here, right now. I hope you know you're not here by accident, that there's a purpose behind it all. And God says, man, do you understand that that's how your life was laid out, that I've had a plan for you all along, that you don't have to be overwhelmed with, man, I really got to find the purpose of my life. I got to find the calling. I got to figure out why I'm here on earth. That's such a big idea. You know where you can start? Just by asking God, what is the plan that you have for my life today? I don't care about 10 years from now. What about today? What about the series of decisions that you will make today and where that will lead you? Do you know that God already had that planned out? That long before today happened, it's not like God woke up an hour before you did and was like, shoot, I gotta, I gotta write some stuff for this guy to do today, man. Kind of snuck up on me. Hope they don't wake up early. No, God had it planned way before you, but every single day of your life. But here's what I wanna know, uh, or here's what I know about purpose uh, purpose never comes without a process. And every day we're making decisions which lead us either towards the purpose that God has called us to or away from the purpose that God has called us to. We're either led to curtain number one or what's behind curtain number two. Uh, neurologists tell us that our brain, subconsciously, like whether you realize this or not, our brains make 35,000 decisions every day. And every one of those decisions put us on a path. Every one of those decisions move us either closer to what God has called us to do or further away from what God has called us to do. It's true that God has a plan and a purpose and a destiny for your life that he has already laid out. But it's also true that you are in charge of the decisions that you make. Esther is coming up to a really crucial point in her life. This is the most popular chapter of Esther, chapter 4, the most popular verse of all of the entire book that people will quote. And every decision she's made every day of her life has been leading up to this point where God is going to reveal to her the ultimate purpose for her life, the calling, the thing that he ordained a long time ago. And I, and I want to challenge you because Esther's decision that she made at this point in her life is the entire reason why we are reading the book of Esther today. Because if she would have chose something different, you and I would have never read this story. We would have never heard of a woman named Esther. This story wouldn't even be in the Bible. 3,000, 4,000 years later, we are still reading about this woman, still challenged by her life and her leadership and her guts and her bravery and courage and charm and her good looks, not because it was just random happenstance coincidence but because she understood the purpose that God had called her to. And she made a decision that changed the course of her life. Which one do you want? Curtain number one or curtain number two? I want to read uh, Esther chapter four. If you have your Bible, you can open up to it. Esther chapter four, verse 11. I want to show you three things that Esther understood in realizing the purpose in her life. I hope you guys know that God has a purpose and a plan for your life. 
that you're not here by accident. That God has a calling that he's placed on you. That is a destiny that was laid out even before you were born. And in Esther's life, much of it was leading up to this moment. Mordecai, Esther's cousin that kind of adopted her, brought her into the family and raised her, says, hey, we got some bad news, Esther. The king has made a decision that all of the Jews will be killed. Esther, you're a Jew. You're going to die. you got to step up. You're married to this guy. you got to go up there and talk to him. You've got to stick your neck out on the line for all of God's people. He sent that message to Esther. And in verse 11, here's her response. All the king's officials and even the people in the provinces know that anyone who appears before the king in his inner court without being invited is doomed to die unless the king holds out his golden scepter. And the king has not called for me to come to him for 30 days. So Hathach gave Esther's message to Mordecai. Mordecai sent this reply to Esther. Don't think for a moment that because you're in this palace, you will escape when all the other Jews are killed. If you keep quiet at a time like this, deliverance and relief for the Jews will arise from some other place, but you and your relatives will die. If you understand that your life is a life of purpose, that God actually has a plan, that it's not just random, that he actually has it laid out, I need for you to understand this. Esther struggles with this at the beginning of the story. If you're taking notes, jot this down. Purpose is never easy. If you want to live a life of purpose, a life of calling, a life of significance and impact, it will never be easy. And unfortunately, when given an opportunity to walk into his, her purpose, Esther automatically defaults to what is easiest for me. Uh, they're exchanging these messages like this is like they're text messaging. They're not face-to-face. They're shooting some text to each other. And Esther's like, no, you don't understand. If I go up to the king, I could lose my life. Do you remember what happened to the last woman that mouthed off at the king and said something that she didn't like? She gone. That's the only reason I'm here right now. Like, I could lose my job, I could lose these clothes, I could lose this nice bed I'm living in right now, I could lose my title, I, could li- I got seven handmaidens, do you understand that? Do you know what it's like to have seven people doing everything for you? I'm not trying to lose that. Like, I don't want to risk that right now. This is a life of ease. This is a life of comfort. This, like, I've got all, like, my life is so easy. And sometimes it's easy to criticize, Esther, but do you know that you and I are the same way? Like, we are wired to choose the path of least resistance. Every decision we make, we want to make it through the lens of how easy is it on me? How profitable is it to me? How comfortable is it to me? Is this what's going to make my life awesome? Is this what's going to be greatest for me? What am I going to get out of it? What am I going to have to put into it? Esther is struggling to see the purpose. She can't look beyond just the easy way. The only thing she can think about is what is it going to cost me? I'm sitting in the palace. I am sitting in comfort. I have everything that I could possibly imagine. And if you don't understand your purpose, then this is your default. You will spend your entire life choosing the path of least resistance. You will spend your entire life just looking for what is the cheapest, easiest, most comfortable route for my life. And can I challenge you that you will never live a life of impacting significance if that's how you make decisions. You will never live up to the purpose that God has for your life if you don't understand that he's called you to something bigger than comfort. That he's called you to something bigger than just whatever's easiest. And whatever impacts you in the most positive way. You will never impact someone's life if that's the life that you choose to live. It may feel okay now, but I'm telling you, i got to warn you. It may feel great, it may feel easy, it may feel comfortable. But eventually, one day in your life, you will get to a point where curtain number two will be pulled back. And you'll realize that what you have in your hand of living an easy, 
insignificant life is empty. And you'll look at what you have and you'll look at what could have been and you'll realize you wasted it. Man, that's what it could have been like. That's what a life of purpose looks like. That's how many people's lives would have been changed. That's what results in generosity. Wait, wait. That's what I could have been living in if I were just chose differently. Choosing a life of ease and comfort, the path of least resistance, man, that's, that's what we're geared for. That's what we, we want to do. Uh, David even realized this in the Psalms, Psalm 119. He pleads with God. He says, God, turn my eyes away from worthless things. David knew it is so easy in life for us to look at things that are easy and comfortable and and require no sacrifice and there's no hard work to it and you're not going to have to give up anything and you can just fall back into a sense of comfort. And David says, man, those things are worthless. God, please help me from being distracted by worthless things that will leave me at the end of my life with curtain one realizing that is nothing. That is empty That is insignificant. That led to nothing of impact to the world around me or to anyone else. Author of Hebrews writes it like this in in chapter 12. And let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. God has a race in front of you. There's a purpose. There's a calling. There's a destiny. And the author says, let's run it. Let's walk to it well. Let's make sure we're running on the right path. Well, how do you do that? We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. So easy to get distracted by other things. I like this, or this makes me happy, or, well, this is my passion, or this makes me like, just have a warm, fuzzy feeling about me. Well, this is the path of least resistance. Well, this is what I really, do I really want to do this? Do I really want to do that? And Scripture makes it very clear God has a path in front of you to run, a race to run. And the only way you're going to keep from stumbling into a life of insignificance is if you keep your eyes focused on Jesus, the one that is leading the way, the one that knows every day that is laid out in front of us. Jesus himself said in Luke 9, If any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross daily, and follow me. Purpose in life is never easy. A life of impact and significance is never easy. The life that God has created and called you to will never be achieved by you simply choosing the path of least resistance and answering every question and making every decision in life with the idea of, well, how is it easy for me? What's easiest for me? Mordecai said, Esther, you got to do something. She said, no, what's easy for me is just to be quiet and lay up in my king-size bed up in the palace and pretend like I don't know anything that's going on and just ignore the problem. You don't understand. You, you can make excuses or you can live a life of purpose. You can choose the easy path or you can live a life of impact. You can just be self-centered and self-focused or you can live a life of significance and walk in the calling and the purpose that God laid out for your life long before you were born. Big moment for you, Esther. What are you going to do? Mordecai drives it home with the phrase of the book. This will be on posters. It'll be on paintings. People will memorize it. Bumper stickers. Second part of verse 14. Who knows, Esther, if perhaps you were made queen for such a time as this? He gets real with Esther right there. He says, Esther, do you understand that there's a possibility that God actually puts you here today? Everything in your life has led up to this moment in time today. For you to make a difference and for you to make an impact. 
Second thing to write down about a life of purpose, purpose is not a coincidence. A lot of people live their life like that. They think everything about their life is luck or coincidence or happenstance. And they find themselves with a job or in a house or in a neighborhood or with some money or with a career or with a group of friends. And they're just like, ah, oh, well, you know, that's just, it's just luck, you know, luck of the draw. You know, I went to the school I did and got the job I did and married the girl or the guy that I did and, and have the abilities and the resources. I did. And, you know, it's just hard work. It's just luck. It's coincidence. Some people get it. Some people don't. Like some people are beautiful. Some aren't. Some are rich. Some aren't. Some have good jobs. Some aren't. It's really just luck of the draw, right? And a person that lives a life of purpose understands that there is nothing about life that's a coincidence. Like, do you really think any of this is by accident? Like, do you really think anything about your life just, just, just happened? Just, just luck of the draw? You were just the right person at the right place at the right time? How do you square that with the Bible when it says God lays out every day? Think about that, man. If you understand that every moment of every day has a purpose, man, you will wake up with a sense of urgency about today. All right, God, I'm not here by accident. I'm not in this room by accident. I'm not hearing this dude speak by accident. All of this, God, is things that you have orchestrated and woven together. What do you want me to do? What is my purpose? This is not a coincidence that you have what you have, that where you are where you are. It's not. It's not an accident. And Esther was feeling that, and Mordecai calls her out, and he's like, hey, Esther, do you understand that God had this day and this moment planned before you were born? And every decision that you make will either push you towards the reason why God created you or away from the reason. It leads to significance or it leads to emptiness. It leads to impact or it leads to self-centeredness. Esther, which curtain do you want? You want what's behind curtain number one or do you want what's behind curtain number two? A life of purpose is not a coincidence. Psalm 33, David says, But the Lord's plans stand firm forever. His intentions can never be shaken. God isn't changing things on the fly. God isn't cramming. God isn't caught surprised when you do something. It's laid out. He has a plan. There's a purpose in it all. Ephesians chapter 2. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So not only were you created by God, not only do you have a purpose for being here, not only are all of your hours and days laid out and loaded up for God, but God actually did that and prepared those things in advance. Every opportunity you have today, prepared in advance. Every decision you make, prepared in advance. God knew that you would be here. God knew that you would be faced with the decision. God knew everything that would be laid out. Which curtain do you want? Which, which purpose do you want to live? What calling do you want to embrace? What destiny do you want to have? you got a choice here, Esther, but have you ever considered that your whole entire life leads up to this one moment where God gives you an incredible opportunity? Where God just asks you, ask Siri, God just asks you, do you want? <laughs> do you want that? Do you want this purpose? Do you want the plan that I have for you? Thank goodness Esther kind of registers with her and she thinks about the opportunity and the, the enormity of the moment. And in verse 15, then Esther sent his reply to Mordecai. Go ahead and gather together all the Jews of Susa and fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days, day or night. My maids and I will do the same. And then, though it is against the law, I will go in to see the king. If I must die, I must die. So Mordecai went away and did everything as Esther had ordered him to.
Last thing is this. You want to live a life of purpose. You got to understand purpose always involves risk. Purpose always involves risk. Purpose is never achieved by taking the easy road. It's never achieved by just taking the safe route. It's never achieved just by saying, all right, well, what makes the most sense? And what's the, what's the, the, the highest reward and the lowest risk? If you want to live a life of impact, of purpose, it'll never be found without risk. I was speaking at an event, a uh, student event in Gatlinburg a while back, and I was preaching on purpose and speaking on this idea of an, an identity in God and the purpose that he has for your life and that that sometimes involves a risk. And this student came up to me afterwards. He's like, I like that. You know, this is the way I like to say it, man. You know what, Nathan? Sometimes you got to risk it for the biscuit. <laughs> I was like, I like that, man. I'm going to use that. Sometimes you got to risk it for the biscuit. Mordecai said, hey, Esther, sometimes you got to risk it for the biscuit. You want the biscuits, you got to risk it. Like sometimes, like you don't take the path of least resistance. You want to make an impact, you got to take a risk. Sometimes you got to do things that don't make sense. Sometimes you do things that you know are a sacrifice, that you know are going to cost you, that you know are going to benefit you, not today, but in the long run. And you take those risks and you walk in that purpose. Following Jesus, like I'll be honest with you, man, I know some of you guys have been following Jesus longer than I've been alive, but following Jesus is risky. You want to follow Jesus is going to be involved with risk. It's risky when you go up to a coworker and you're bold with your faith. When you walk up to somebody that, that's been a friend of yours for a long time, you say, hey, man, I want to have a conversation about Jesus. I want, to tell you, I want to tell you about what he's done in my life and what he can do in your life. They can laugh at you. They can mock you. You could lose a relationship. Like they, it's all kind of risk involved. You know what's risky? Being generous with your finances. Trying to honor God with your money because you're taking money that you have right now that you don't know when you're going to need that. You don't know what the end of the month's going to hold. You don't know what emergencies are going to come up. What happens when God says, I want you to honor me with all of your life, with your resources, with your finances? Dude, that's risky. It's risky to do that kind of stuff. And it's risky to follow Jesus. You risk rejection. You risk loss of friends. You miss risk closed doors and opportunities that you think, man, like you're looking at curtain number one. And you're like, man, that sure does look good. $5,822 in a pool table. Come on. That looks good. And sometimes you risk it because you're like, I'm convinced that what's behind curtain number two is better. It's more. Because that's what I've learned about God's purpose for my life. It's always better than mine. He always has something bigger, something more planned. A level of significance and impact that I could have never dreamed of. I look at what I had planned. I'm like, man, that would have been great. And I look at the times where I followed Jesus and I listened to him and did what he said. And I look he's like, wait, this is curtain number two? Boom. <laughs> I'm glad I chose that. Glad I took that risk. Glad I, glad I didn't just take the path of least resistance or what made the most sense to me at the time. What would have benefited me the most? Following Jesus is risky. But every one of us have an opportunity. It's daily decisions, man. I, you may not be faced with what Esther's faced with right now. There may not be this life-altering, do-or-die situation that you have to make a decision by the end of the day. But I can tell you that decisions we make every day impacts our destiny. Parents, you got a decision when you come home from work. You're either going to love and engage and, and care for your kids and be all in their life and engage with them and, and build that bond, or, or you can sit down, turn your, turn your phone on, watch TV. you got to take a risk with your marriage. You can either love and honor and sacrifice and elevate your spouse and always put them in front of yourself and, and honor them and cherish them and, and risk yourself for them, 
Or you can just take the easy way and just say, I better watch out for me. I better do what's best for me. I better make sure I, I take care of me or somebody else may not take care of me. There's a risk. There's a risk involved even with that. Every day we choose what we do with our resources, with our time, with our energy, with our efforts, with our money. And there's a risk involved with that. You'll never get today back. The hours that you spend today, you will never have another shot at those hours. And you're going to take a risk if you're going to choose to serve, if you're going to choose to give, if you're going to choose to put other people in front of yourself. There's a risk involved with that every day. You got a choice to make this morning. You can either stick with what's behind curtain number one, or you can make the decision today that you're going to pursue what's behind curtain number two. That you're confident that God's purpose and God's plan is better than what you could ever dream or imagine. And that obedience and faithfulness to Jesus results in more. Mark chapter 8, Jesus says, For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. I don't know what it's going to be like. I don't know if God's going to look at me and say, Do you want to see what's behind curtain number two? Like, I, I don't know anything about it, but here's what I do know. When we die, every one of us will stand in front of God and we will give a record and an account for the things that we did, the decisions that we made, the words that we spoke, the things that we did with, the, with our life, the resources that we spent, how we spent our time. I know scripture tells us we will give an account for that. And you know what's going to make that a really scary, fearful day? If you don't answer the question, who is Jesus? Because that's what I know. We will stand in front of God and the question will be asked, who is Jesus? And any other answer other than Lord and Savior of my life gets you to curtain number one. Well, I hope you enjoyed what you had here because that's all you got. But if we're confident in the decisions that we can make today, that man, maybe guys, maybe you are here today for such a time as this, for a time to make a decision today for the first time to say yes to Jesus to say yes to the purpose. You want to understand the purpose and the plan that he has for you? It starts with knowing Jesus and what he's done for you. Understanding the sacrifice that he gave and what he did on the cross and just saying, Jesus, if this leads to purpose, I'm in. If this was the plan, if this was the call, then I'm in. Maybe you were brought today for such a time as this to understand there's a next step that God has for you to take. Is it risky? Better believe it is. Is it going to involve some pain and sacrifice? Of course it is. Anything that matters does. Anything of significance and impact always involves risk. Always involves choosing the difficult road over just what's easy and least resistance to us. And maybe God brought you here today to be confronted with that calling, that purpose, that destiny. And it's your choice. Which one do you want? You want curtain number one or curtain number two? I don't want to get to the end of my life and realize that the decisions that I made, even the small ones day in and day out, kept me from the calling and the purpose that God had for me. So let's nail it down today. Who is Jesus? You got a chance today to make a decision. Hey, I want to know Jesus. If that's you, we got a redneck step card. <laughs> There's a box on there that says, I want to make a decision for Jesus. One of our crew would love to have a conversation with you this week about how to nail that down. And then we can move by what is the purpose and the calling of your life? How do you figure out what God's called you to do and walk in that and experience great fulfillment and satisfaction and joy from obedience and faithfulness in Jesus Christ? We'd love to do that. I don't want you to be the same person today as you were yesterday, so let's take a next step. Let's move forward together.